points to the coming of Jesus Christ as the God-man, the perfect man who died for us so that we could have life. All of Scripture, from Old Testament to New Testament, from beginning to end, points to Jesus Christ. And that is a beautiful thing. That should be a comforting thing to us this morning. So I just, I love that song. I get super excited about singing it. And when you really think about the words, it's just a, a beautiful song filled with so much truth. <clears throat> but this morning, we'll be digging back in to the book of Titus. And so we're almost finished <clears throat> with our study um, through Titus. We'll probably, after this Sunday, have either just one or two more weeks. I don't want to make any promises, um, but we're pretty close to being finished with our study in Titus. And so what we've been learning thus far, I want to remind us, um, as we've gone through chapters 1 and 2, and as we enter into chapter 3, we see from the book of Titus what it looks like to be a healthy church. And that is something that Salt and Light Church strives to be, is a healthy church. And so as we went through chapter 1, we saw that healthy churches have godly leaders, men who are faithful both to their families, to the Word of God, and they're faithful in their character. And as we just finished up chapter 2 last week, we saw how the people in the church, young and old, male and female, slave and free, how they are called to live amongst each other. And as we start chapter 3 today, we are going to see how every single one of us who has put our faith in Jesus Christ are called to live and engage with the world around us. And so I'm going to give us kind of a quick overview of the seven verses that we're going to be going through this morning. As we read verses, the first two verses of our text today, Paul is going to exhort us to be submissive and obedient to the rulers and the authorities in this world, and that we are commanded to be gentle and perfectly courteous to all people. And so really those first two verses are how we, the church, are called to live in the world around us. And we're going to see in verse 3, Paul is going to remind us of who we once were apart from Jesus Christ. And then in verses 4 through 7, he's going to remind us and tell us what it is that changed in us. That we are no longer that old creation, but that we have been made anew. And also how we have been made new. And so really, again, verses 1 through 2 are going to give us a call and a command of how we are to live in the world. And verses 3 are going to show us why we should live that way, because we were once like the wicked and foolish world. And then verses 4 through 7 are also going to encourage us and why it's so important to be a light in the world. It's because we have done nothing to merit our salvation. It is wholly a gift from God and by the power of His Spirit in us. So again, verses 1 through 2 are going to show us how we should live. Verse 3 is going to show us who we once were apart from Christ. And verses 4 through 7 are going to show us what it is that changed in us. So as believers in this world, we are commanded to live in a way that brings honor and glory in everything that we do to Jesus Christ. And so it is my prayer this morning that we would be a church who is ready for every good work. It is my prayer that as I read for us verse 3 of our text, that it would lead us to one of two places that if we have been made new, if we have repented of our sins and put our faith in Christ, that verse 3 would encourage us that that is the old creation. 
And for those of us who are here this morning, if you have never put your faith in Christ, I pray that as we read verse 3, that it would bring you to a point of conviction, that you would see that you are foolish, disobedient, and a slave to your sin, and that you would put your faith in Christ. It is my prayer that as we read these things, that we would either be encouraged or convicted by the word of God. And lastly, it's my hope as we walk through verses 4 through 7, especially verse 7, that all of us who are in Christ would be encouraged, that we are heirs with Christ to the hope of eternal life, and that the reason for this, the merit for that, is because of the Spirit of God who graciously renewed us and was poured into our hearts through Jesus Christ. Through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, we now have life in God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray again just for this morning, Lord, fill our hearts with joy. I pray for those of us who are sitting in this room today, in this church today, Father, that we would be encouraged, that we are no longer our old selves, but that we have been made new by the power of your Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts today to live a life that is worthy of the gospel, that's worthy of the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. Lord, it is our sin that nailed you to the cross. And so I pray that you would empower our hearts this morning to live a life of obedience to you. And Father, I also pray that if there's anybody here today who has not put their faith in you, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts this morning to the truth of the gospel, that you would show them just the foolishness and folly of putting their faith in themselves, Lord, that you would bring them to a point of repentance and that they would trust in you and in you alone for salvation and for life. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up, and I'm going to read for us chapter 3 of Titus, verses 1 through 7. Again, chapter 3 of the book of Titus, Verses 1 through 7. I'll give you all just a moment to turn there as I'm also turning there myself. Chapter 3, verse 1 of Titus. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, and slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, And hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing or regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So our text today starts with remind them 
So I want to remind us as well of who it is, who is the them, and who it is that is doing the reminding. I want to remind us, as we've been going through this letter that it was written thousands of years ago by a man named Paul, and that he wrote it to a young pastor named Titus. And the purpose that Paul wrote this letter was to give Titus instructions to set straight the crooked teaching that was going on in the churches on Crete. And so when our text says, remind them, Paul is writing to Titus and telling him to remind the believers on this island to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and perfectly courteous to all people. Church, the life of a believer should be a life that is marked by peace. Not controversy, but peace. In Matthew it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If you want to be a son or daughter of God, then you must be a person of peace. And as believers, we see in our text we are commanded to be gentle, not quarrelsome. Not seeking out controversy and fighting and argument and debate, but we are to be gentle. As believers, we are commanded to speak evil of no one and to be perfectly courteous to all people. Even when people scoff at us, even when people seek to harm us, we speak evil of nobody. But we are perfectly courteous, desiring, just like God our Savior, desiring that all would come to a knowledge of the truth of the gospel. In Proverbs 25, it talks about, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And then the transition back to the beginning part of verse 1. We are also called to be submissive. To both rulers and authorities. We submit to, we obey, we serve, and we pray for those governmental leaders who are in authority over us. Even those who maybe don't have our best interests in mind. Even those who may actively be seeking to harm us. Paul talks about in a different letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans 13 it says, let every person be subject to, be submissive. To the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So we need to remember, church, we need to remember the context that Paul is writing in. Paul is living and traveling in lands that are controlled by the Roman government. In Acts, it talks about how the Roman government and people, there is great persecution that came against the church and that scatters them. Roman authorities thought that Christians existed to overthrow the government and to disobey their authority. And so there was a hatred, there was a mistreatment, there was persecution from the Roman government about the Christians to the Christians that Paul is writing to. But that same government that Paul is commanding believers to submit to and to obey... The ones who are actively killing and persecuting the church, Paul says, submit to them and obey them. 
Again, the Christian life is a life of peace, regardless of how good or bad our government is, regardless of how we are treated by them or by others. The follower of Christ Jesus is commanded to submit to government. I want to be careful. This doesn't mean that we do everything that the government tells us to do, or we do any other authority, that we do whatever it is that they tell us to do, no matter what. We don't obey them if they ask us to sin. Our ultimate authority and the one true king is God, and we exist to obey and to serve him. As we look back in the Old Testament, we see the story of Daniel. Daniel, when he is forbidden by the government to pray and worship anybody, but the king did not obey that commandment. But I also want us to see what it is that Daniel did. He didn't go around complaining about how unjust the government was, about how evil they are. He didn't start a riot and try to overthrow the government. No, Daniel went into his house and he prayed and he worshiped God. Daniel knew what the consequences would be for his actions, but he submitted and willingly accepted those consequences, and he obeyed God. In an age where everybody is upset, it seems like, about everything that the government does, let us, let the church be a people who are different. Let us submit and speak evil of nobody. We are commanded to be obedient and to always be seeking to do good to all people. As Christians... As representatives of Christ in this world, we do not ever speak evil of anybody, government or whoever it would be. We do not speak evil of anybody. We do not quarrel with our words or our actions, but we are gentle and perfectly courteous to all people, especially our enemies, especially those who persecute us. We are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, is what the scriptures say. For this is the very thing that our God, our Savior, did at Calvary. As Christ carried his cross, he was beaten and mocked and spit upon. He was falsely accused by others, and he was unjustly condemned by the government. But what does Christ say? He says, Father, not my will be done. But yours. He didn't seek to overthrow the government in the way that people thought he would. He was unjustly condemned and crucified on a cross. And he says, Father, not my will, but yours. When the government oppresses us, when people oppress us, we want justice. We don't want that to go unhindered. But what did Christ do? Christ said, Father, not your will be done, or not my will be done but yours. And we should say the same, Father, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus was silent before his accusers and his mockers. And when he was hung on the cross in our place, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What forgiveness, what love. It doesn't make sense to love people who would do those things to us or to God. But church, we must remember again who we were without Christ and where we came from. Verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, 
led astray and slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Church, the same people, the same government or people who may treat you unjustly, who are not kind to you, who are coarse. And Paul tells us that every single one of us were the exact same way. Paul even includes himself here. He says, for we ourselves were once this way. The Bible says that every single person who has ever lived apart from Christ has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that if you are not in Christ, then you are an enemy of God. And the only thing, church, the only thing that changed, the only thing that changed was that God saved us. You and I did nothing to earn salvation. We were foolish, disobedient, and slaves to our sin. As Alex talked about just a few weeks ago, all of us in this room are a slave to something. We all have a master. It is either sin or God. In church, everybody, every single one of us in this room today who has ever lived, either at one point in time or still currently is, a slave to their sin. And the only thing that changed, the only reason that anybody is no longer a slave to their sin is because of the mercy of God in saving us. God and His mercy regenerated our hearts and renewed us. We who were once scoffers, evildoers, haters of God and of everything that is good, God saved us. And it is only because of his mercy that we are no longer that way. So if you read, I'm going to read verse 3 again. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, Slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. If I read that verse of our passage and you think to yourself, that doesn't describe me, and it never did. Or you think to yourself, I'm not a fool. I'm not disobedient. I try to do the right thing. I try to do what's good. I don't hate others. I'm a slave of nothing. I have freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want. If you read that verse and that is your mind, that is your mindset, that either you were never that way or that you're not that way now, then you are not a follower of Christ Jesus. You have not experienced the regeneration and renewal that the Holy Spirit brings. The scriptures talk about how that is the old self. That is the old creation that was a slave to their sin. If you say in your heart today that that was never you, then you have never had a heart change. It talks about in the scriptures when you have experienced and encountered the spirit of God and the saving power of Jesus Christ, that you are born again. You are a completely new creation. You have put to death the old self and you are new. And so if you read that chapter, if you read that verse and say that that is not you or has never been you, you need to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, your end will be destruction. The scriptures make clear there is no one who is righteous. 
on their own accord. All have fallen short of the glory of God. It's my prayer, it's my prayer that as we read that verse, that those of us who are in Christ, that we would be reminded of who we once were, but that we would also be encouraged and rejoice that that is no longer who we are, but that we have been made new by the power of the Spirit of God. And my hope, my encouragement, my hope is that that would change, that would begin to shape the way that we now live. That we would remember that the only reason that we are no longer that old creation is because of verses 4 through 7, which says the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior. When He appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And now, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Church, we are in this world now with one purpose, and that's to be ready for every good work and to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make his name known among all the nations. So we don't have time to complain about the government. We don't have time to complain about the many ways that we have been mistreated. We don't have time to speak evil of others. Many of my interactions with people each week start with that person complaining about how unfair the world is. And I'm sure that myself, I often speak in the very same ways. They start with people speaking evil of somebody else, about how they are hated by others and treated unjustly. And I'm not saying that these struggles and hurts are not valid. Because most of the time they are. But what good does it do to be a complainer? To be a quarreler? What good does it do? What fruit does it bring to your life to speak evil of others? And hear me again. I'm not saying that we don't talk about these things. That we don't talk about injustice. We should seek out the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that we can bear each other's burdens. But church, we can't set our minds on these things. We can't spend our whole lives dwelling on these temporary injustices when we are citizens and heirs of a far greater kingdom, of an eternal kingdom. One day, when God returns, justice will be carried out for all. For all who have rejected Him, for all of the evildoers and wickedness that happens in our world, there will be justice one day. But that vengeance... That justice belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to us. We don't have time to be complainers and to speak evil of others, church, because our time is short. We are only here for a short time and then eternity. We are heirs with Christ to the hope of eternal life. So why are we dwelling? Why are we spending our lives speaking evil of others and of the injustices that we experience when we ourselves did the very same things. But church, we have been born again by the mercy of God, so let us live in light of these truths. I want each of us, this week, as we interact with people, as they ask you, 
how you are doing, to first remind ourselves that we are sons and daughters of the King of the universe, that you are a co-heir with Christ of eternal life, and then respond to them in light of these truths. Church, we will never be set apart from the world if all we do is complain about the injustices in the world, for that is what the world does. But we must seek first to exalt our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in all that we do, because God is good. And he is loving, and he sent God, Jesus Christ, to earth. And when he appeared, he saved us. Not because of anything that you or I can do or have done. We were once foolish, disobedient slaves to sin, haters of everyone and everything, but we were saved by the mercy of God. Church, there is nothing in you or myself that was desirable in any way. We were stained and filthy with our sin, but God has washed us. He has cleansed us, and he has regenerated our hearts and renewed us by the power of his spirit through Jesus Christ. We are no longer slaves to sin. That was the old self, but we are now slaves to Christ. We are renewed, a new creation because of his spirit and his mercy his grace. Church, we are no longer slaves to sin, but heirs with Christ who have the hope of eternal life. And so because we have this hope in us, because we are now new creations, this should change the way that we live. Church, remember again who we once were and let us rejoice in who we are now because of the mercy of God. We didn't deserve salvation or forgiveness, but God in his goodness and love and kindness and mercy and grace saved us. Even though we were enemies of God, he set his heart on you and me and God saved us. So now in light of that church, we must live a life that brings honor and glory to our great and merciful God. We are submit, we are to submit to rulers and authorities, no matter how good or bad they are, because we, we were the worst of the worst, but God saved us. We are to be perfectly courteous to all people, speaking evil of no one, because we were once haters of everyone. We were once malicious and envious, but God saved us. And church, it is through suffering and through shame that many will enter the kingdom of God. Christ suffered and was humiliated. And it was through that that salvation has now come to all people. And as we look back to the story of Daniel that I talked about earlier, he submitted to the rulers and authorities. He was ready for every good work. He didn't start riots. He didn't speak evil of the king. He quietly and peaceably obeyed God. And the result of Daniel's obedience was that the name of God was exalted and made known among the nations. Daniel was thrown into the den of lions. He knew what the consequences for submission would be. But he served God. And when he is rescued out of that den, he says to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me 
because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. The same king that threw Daniel into the den. Daniel says, O king, live forever. He respected his authority. And then the result of that is that the king wrote to all the people in his kingdom. He made a royal decree that people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall see no end. He delivers and rescues He works signs and wonders in heaven on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And so that same king who commanded all the people in his kingdom to bow down to him, when he saw the faithfulness of Daniel and the power of the God of Daniel, he was changed. And instead of commanding the nations to bow down to him, he commanded them to bow down to the one true God. And so, church, as we humbly submit and obey God, let us show perfect courtesy to all people. For it is through our submission and obedience, it is through our good works, it is through our gentleness and our courteousness to all people that the name of God will be known and exalted among the nations. Let us remember again, church, who it is. obedience to God that he was highly exalted and church the same will be true for us so let us remember that we are not citizens of heaven but that we are citizens of a far greater kingdom that is eternal that will never pass away let us pray